Hello and welcome back to Chambers FM. This is your host, Mr. Chambers. Excited to be back for another episode of the podcast. Just wanted to update everyone on just a couple of uh, recent announcements throughout the district. Um, just kind of uh, go over a couple of things. Make sure everyone is ready for the online distance learning that is starting on Monday. Um, want to read another chapter of Look Both Ways by Jason Reynolds. Um, maybe add another little bit or two um, and just kind of wrap things up. Not a, not a ton to update, but the stuff I do have is uh, pretty critical. Um, yeah, we uh, have finally surpassed our 400 uh, listens for the podcast. Super excited. It's still growing. I'm still getting feedback every day, people listening and enjoying. So I'm glad I can bring something for everyone to kind of uh, come together around during these uh, very strange times. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of Chambers FM. So the major uh, bit of news that I wanted to update people on today was the announcement yesterday by Dr. Daryl Brown, uh, Birdville's superintendent, um, that in compliance with Tarrant County officials, with local officials, that we are going to continue the closure and extend it out. Um, So all schools in Birdville um, are closed at least until April 17th. Um, So the first day we could possibly go back to school is on April the 20th. Um, They are going to reevaluate things kind of down the line just to see um, if that date needs to be extended. I know, I believe Fort Worth ISD has already announced that their schools will be closed until May 15th, which is um, almost another month after hours. So I, I don't know if that'll be the day that we go back to school. I would love it if it would be. Um, that would give us six weeks back together in the same building. Um, but again, they will reevaluate things um, down the line to, to give us a definitive date. Um, I know it's kind of frustrating just kind of going one and two weeks at a time with this. Um, trust those people making the decisions. Uh, I think they know what's best. They certainly know better than I do. Um, I would love for them to just make one set announcement, but I think they're just trying to take this as as slow as possible and just watch the spread of the virus um, and make sure that that all of the decisions that they're making are really um, focused on the safety of of students, the safety of staff members, um, and really what's best for our community at this time. Um, I'm I'm not sure what what else is going to change between now and when we get another update on that, um, but any information I receive, I will let you know. Um, So again, schools are going to be closed through April 17th at this time. That adds on another um, two weeks to what we had previously been told, Um, which so we'll start the the online piece um, from the district on Monday, April 3rd. Is that right? No, uh, March 30th. Sorry, March 30th um, to to really kick off the distance learning piece uh, of this. Um, I know I've had a lot of questions from people. What does this look like? What what is this all going to mean for me? Um, my my GPA, high school credits, things like that. I, I don't think anyone 100% knows those answers. I, I don't think that everyone is just going to be left in the lurch. Um, I do believe that, that really we will start to get some answers soon. Um, but I think that the district is really waiting to see how this thing plays out. Um, I was on Facebook looking at the announcement yesterday and the vast majority of comments and feedback that they were receiving on there um, were in terms of graduation. 
Um, are, are we going to reschedule dates? Are we going to get refunded for caps and gowns and graduation invitations? Um, I know our eighth graders aren't necessarily stressed and worry about that, but I, I'm sure a lot of you have family members, relatives, friends who are in that position um, where graduation, which is one of the, the, the bigger days of, of your life so far, is coming into question. And, and that's scary and that's frustrating, especially people who have um, who have had plans of family coming in, who have had um, plans made and, and things paid for. And um, they're, they're stressed. They don't want to lose that money. I, I understand that. Um, I know our eighth grade day is uh, up in question. I believe people are working on a solution to see, um, you know, what what that's going to look like. I believe the the date originally was set for the end of May, um, and if if things go really well with all this, um, we we may be able to to continue and have that. Um, but things looking right now, I don't know that a month out from this is going to be good to have large gatherings of people. So I don't know what's going to happen for our eighth grade day. Um, obviously, I believe if we go back to school, we will work something out. And if we don't go back for the rest of the year, um, then we will have a plan in place as well. That may be a, a digital um, eighth grade day. That may be, uh, I don't know, I'm not I'm not in charge of making those decisions. But hopefully, um, we come up with something because I know eighth grade day was uh, planning on being a big day for a lot of people. Um, and we don't want to obviously de deprive people of that. But I think right now, um, we have we have bigger things to worry about than, than graduations and eighth grade days. Um, we, we have to make sure that everyone is safe, everyone stays healthy. Um, and I think the, the more we isolate right now, um, just just the, the, the more that will curb um, the spread of this virus and, and that things can hopefully go back to normal as, as quickly as possible. Um, I believe that is all for the, the updates for today. Any information that I get, I will obviously pass on to you guys as quick as possible. Um, yeah, get ready for Monday. Um, at least in my class, nothing's going to change. You, you can see everything that's going to be in there for the next three weeks. So I will not be adding any more assignments um, to Google Classroom at this time for the fifth six weeks, which is until April 17th, which is the day that we are, you know, closed out until so if everything goes perfectly and we get to go back to school um that following monday things will be great i can take those grades and put them in the grade book or whatever else um the school and the district asked me to do um and if we continue out of school beyond april 17th um i will have the six six weeks online as well and things will look very similar to this six weeks so we have a plan in place at least i do no matter where whether we're sitting in the same building or not um just just keep keep faith you guys keep motivated just keep trying to bring as much normalcy back as possible i know um two more weeks out um isn't ideal obviously but um it's the circumstances we've been dealt with so keep your heads up let me know obviously um always if i can do anything for you guys i am uh mostly available about 24 7 these days so um again that's our update for today thank you We are continuing our read aloud of Look Both Ways by Jason Reynolds. Today, take a trip over to Southview Avenue. The title of our chapter is Uka Buka Land. Gather, gather, gather round, ladies and gentlemen, leopards and giraffes, lollipops and gummy bears, lizard lips and googly eyes, and yes, even you, Mrs. Stevens. I am the super, super say-so, and I've come to make you laugh until you pass. Pass what, you ask? Pass gas. Pass out. Pass away. Pass anything other than class. Careful. 
Mrs. Stevens warned from her desk in the corner of the room. She sat with her arms folded, watching Cynthia, say so sour, put on a show in front of the class. This was the only way to keep Cynthia from disrupting and derailing the entire lesson. If Mrs. Stevens didn't give her these five minutes at the end, Cynthia would burst into some kind of sideways monologue about whatever Mrs. Stevens had been teaching that day. Like, how negative numbers deserve empathy because no one should ever feel lower than zero. I mean, wouldn't you feel a little negative too if people kept saying you less than nothing? You basically don't even really exist. You under, under. Your mama done probably kicked you out. Your girlfriend or boyfriend done broke up with you. And when you asked why, they just said something like, you ain't enough for me. So tell me, who is crying for the negative number? Who, Miss Stevens, who? Cynthia would wail and wail over dramatic fists in the air, all leading up to the big finish. Cynthia planted her face flat on the desk, cheek to wood. And right when Mrs. Stevens would think it was over, Cynthia would lift up and ask, you know what I would do if I was a negative number? There was only one answer. Cynthia, don't you dare, Mrs. Stevens warned, knowing what was coming. There would always only be one answer. I would. One answer, and the whole class knew it. Cynthia, seriously, Mrs. Stevens shook her head. And because the whole class knew it, they joined in and said it with her. Run! Cynthia would jump up from her desk and charge out of the classroom, but only for a second. Then she'd come back in as if it never happened, have a seat at her desk, straighten her posture, pick up her pencil with one hand, and play with the two plates sprouting from either side of her head, a hairstyle she loved for its comedic effect with the other. Mrs. Stevenson, Mrs. Stevens used to call out for her, used to stutter step towards the door, used to threaten to write her up. Don't divide me from the class, Mrs. Stevens, please, don't divide us. Cynthia would fake beg, doubling down on the math joke. Oh, I'm not planning on doing any division, Cynthia. I'm thinking more along the lines of subtraction. But Miss Stevens never did. Truth is, she liked Cynthia's jokes. It reminded her of old comedians on the black and white TV shows her grandmother used to watch when she was a child. So she cut the goofball a deal. If Cynthia could be attentive and serious all class, she would get the last five minutes to do her thing. So L's and G's, let's start with the news. This just in. Shirt is a strange word, right? I mean, seriously, there had to be better options when it came to naming this. Cynthia tugged at the collar of her t-shirt. I heard, and this is just what I heard. A long, long, long time ago, there was this dude who was a clothes maker, and he invented this thing to cover your chest and arms and stuff. Now, when he first made it, he called it an, an, he called it an arm belly chest cloth, but that name was too long, so then he shortened it to an ABC. But then the ABCs came out, and you know, that became a whole thing with the song and the cool LMNOP part, and the next thing you knew, everybody was doing it. And the clothes maker realized maybe ABC wasn't the best name to call his arm, belly, chest cloth. But he ain't have another name for it. One night, he was sitting with a friend. No, no, not one friend, a bunch of his friends. At a dinner. And everybody's trying on his arm, belly, chest cloth thing, right? And the, clo and the clothes maker is nervous because people love it, and they keep asking him what it's called. And when he tells them, their faces drop like they can't believe it. That's too long of a name. We call shoes shoes, not toe cover-uppers, they said. Now see, the clothes maker was a nervous eater. Uh, I forgot to tell you all that part. Every time he got stressed out or like anxious, he would eat. And now he was nervous because everyone was saying his garment wouldn't work unless he changed the name. So what are you going to change it to? They asked. 
And instead of responding, he just started stuffing bread in his mouth. Bread, 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 just pushing it in there. What are you going to name it? They repeated. And do you know what the clothes maker said with a mouthful of rolls? Pause for effect. I'll tell you what he said, Cynthia wound up. The clothes maker shrugged and said all muffled, Sure, I don't know. And before the ruckus could even come, Mrs. Stevens shut it all down. Okay, okay, that's enough for today, she said, trying not to laugh herself. There was no need to cut Cynthia off anyway, because the punchline landed at the exact moment the bell rang. Cynthia's mother worked all day and went to school all evening, and when Cynthia was a baby, her mother would rock her to sleep with bedtime stories read out of night school textbooks. She was Cynthia's hero, a hero too busy to save her, a hero too hardworking to even find the time to laugh, but a hero nonetheless. But Cynthia's grandfather was her superhero. Not in the superhuman sense, but in the way that there was something incredible about him, at least to Cynthia. To almost everyone else, he was just the wild ex-soldier who owned the liquor store right in front of her apartment building. The kind of man who would take a wooden crate, flip it upside down, then step up on it and put on a show. Hold court right there in the middle of the store. Jokes were his superpower. The dirtier, the better. Cynthia was even named after him. His name was Cinder. And whenever he'd introduced himself to people, they'd always ask, Cinder? Like, Cinderella? And he'd say, nah, Cinder like Cinder Block. But really, he was a bit of both. Had a toughness to him. A hard-headed, hard-handed, hard-talking man. But he was also soft. Soft enough to hold baby Cynthia and stare at her and laugh and laugh like she was the greatest joke ever told. Soft enough to know a good sidekick when he saw one. Soft enough to give her a nickname. Sweetie Say So. Named her that because of all the goo-goos, gagas, and grunts Cynthia would make whenever Cinder would pick her up. A noisemaker. Always a noisemaker. And Cinder would just salute her and say, Sweetie, if you say so. If you say so, sweetie. Cinder's girlfriend, a gray-haired, lipstick, cigarette-smoking male woman named Miss Fran, would always come by a store to deliver letters and bills, always catching him in the middle of his jokester routines. She'd laugh in this way that made all the bottles in the store rattle, made all the men jealous of the love thing she and Cinder had. And when she came on Saturdays, she'd always catch Cynthia marching around outside in the front of the store, prompted by her grandfather, and Miss Fran would always stick stamps on Cynthia's chubby cheeks and forehead. Oh, I'm going to put you in the mailbox, ship you off to Ookabooka Land, she'd tease, and Cynthia would laugh and scream, no, as if Ookabooka Land were a real place. Miss Fran died when Cynthia was seven. Hurt Cynthia to lose the only grandmother she'd ever known, but her sadness was nothing compared to Cinder's. Seemed like Cinder's mind floated away with Miss Fran's spirit and voice. Or maybe it went underground with her body, buried in the cemetery across the street from the liquor store. Cinder could see her gravestone from the window of the fourth floor unit he and Miss Fran had lived in together, five doors down from where Cynthia lived with her mom. It wasn't long after Miss Fran's death that Cinder closed the liquor store. It wasn't long after the store closed that it was knocked down. It wasn't long after it was knocked down that the apartment complex built a playground where it used to be. A sliding board, a set of swings, a seesaw, a stage. Not a big, elaborate stage, just a concrete platform, about the size of the wooden crate Cinder used to stand on in the store. A bronze plaque bolted to it that read, Cinder's Block. Cynthia hoped that maybe he'd step up on it someday, crack a joke or two, but he never would because it wasn't long after the store was turned into a playground that Cinder started to forget things. 
how to turn on the radio, how to work the microwave, and every time something simple would slip his mind, Cynthia would have to come over to help. Uh, remind me how to turn on the TV, say so. Don't seem to want to work for me, Cinder would say, pointing the case he kept his eyeglasses in at the television screen. It wasn't long after Cinder started to forget things that Cynthia and her mother moved down the hall into her grandfather's two-bedroom apartment. Cinder had his room, and Cynthia and her mother had the other, which meant most nights, because her always exhausted mother slept like a woman fighting a bear, Cynthia slept on the couch, dreaming of the day she could make her mother laugh. Dreaming of the day she could funny her mother free of all the work, of all the stress she, she seemed to wear on her face like thick makeup, the wrong color for her skin. Dreaming of her mother telling a joke, knock, knock, and Cynthia replying, who's there? And her mother saying, me, and Cynthia not having to say, me who? That's all Say So ever wanted. A love thing with her mother, the way her grandfather had with Miss Fran, through laughter. And since her mother was too busy to break, well then, anyone would have to do. A smile is a smile. A ha is a ha. So every day she'd rattle off her jokes at the end of class, bathing in her classmates' crack-ups, including today. As everyone rushed out of Mrs. Stevenson's, Mrs. Stevens' class, Cynthia stood at the door handing out flyers. Not the kind that are professionally printed with graphics and lasers and cool shadow effects. These were just pieces of lined notebook paper, ripped into squares with soggy edges because she believed in the lick and rip method that said, written in red, say so, live on Cinder's block at the Southview Apartments. Show starts at 3.33. Be there or be Mr. Fantana's forever wedgie. Cynthia teased. She didn't know where that one came from, but she let it loose and let it live. Down the hall she went, stopping at her locker, grabbing her things, and heading for the door, pausing only to tell her friend Gregory Pitts that he smells like his last name. She told him this every day, just because... just because. And Greg, knowing it was a joke, flapped his arms like a bird, wafting the pit funk towards her. 333, she called out to him. Be there! When she got outside, instead of taking the long way she usually took and walking the way most of the walkers went, which was up to the corner where Miss Post was, orange-vested, waving cars by, blowing her whistle until her face looked like it would pop, Cynthia walked through the grass and headed around the back of the school to take the shortcut. She could have gone through the back door, which would have been an even shorter cut, but then she would have missed snapping on Greg and who could avoid the opportunity to roast. Plus, she'd learned from her grandfather a long time ago how important tradition was. She walked along the side of the school, dragging her fingers on the red brick of the building until she reached the line of trees at the back. Not exactly a forest, just a single line of maples that created a barrier between the school and the road. When Cynthia reached the tree line, the trees thick with limbs that looked less like arms and more like outstretched legs, thick-rooted yoga trees, she hiked her jeans up above her ankles and tiptoes because the land seemed to always be muddy there. On the other side of the trees was Kerrigan Street, known for nothing besides the entrance to the Southview Cemetery. The cemetery had a regal iron gate wrapped around it and took up the entire block. Cynthia, after looking both ways, ran across the street and into the cemetery because through the graveyard was the shortest way home. No point in going around when she could go through. Plus, she had to get giggles for her grandfather. Giggles were cigarette butts. Cinder collected them, and Cynthia always tried to make sure to find some if she could. People were always walking through the cemetery, smoking and leaving their leftover cigs on the ground, and sometimes even leaving them on the gravestones, along with flowers, pictures, notes, bottles, and candles. But 
but the giggles were what she was looking for, what Cinder always wanted, but he hadn't named them that. Cynthia had. Shortly after Miss Fran died, Cynthia was helping her grandfather clean the apartment, helping him organize his papers and clothes, helping him straighten up. You want this? She asked, holding up an old Vietnam veteran's hat. Uh-huh. These? Cynthia asked, holding up a stack of stamps and envelopes. Hmm. I ain't mailing nothing, so... Nah, Cinder said. Cynthia peeled one of the stamps from the book, stuck it on her forehead, and made a funny face at her grandfather. He smiled, and she put the rest of the stamps in her back pocket. Uh, well, what about all this? She then said, holding up an ashtray full of cigarette butts, red lipstick smudged on the tips. He looked, leaned into the ashtray, kind of looked like he was leaning over the ledge of a pool, threatening to fall in. He picked one up, looked at it like he was looking at a single bullet, one that could explode his heart, but didn't. At least, not in the way Cynthia thought. Cinder's eyes watered, but he didn't cry. He giggled. Cynthia trapezed around the cemetery, looking for giggles, finding none. There were people walking their dogs through the graveyard, others visiting their family members, sweeping their areas, picking up trash, replacing dead flowers with live ones. Cynthia saw two girls sitting on a skateboard in front of a tombstone. She thought she recognized them, but didn't want to stare because it would have been weird. She kept walking, kept looking, eyes running across the tops of the stones that had last names, last names engraved in them. But she was running out of time. It was 3.26 p.m., seven minutes until the say-so show, so she figured she may have struck out this time. She may not have any new giggles to give her grandfather. But then she gave, came to Miss Fran's grave, and sitting on top of it was a cigarette butt. Lipstick kissed the end of it. Cynthia took it as a sign, slid it into her pocket, and headed on. After she came out on the other end of the cemetery, the Southview Avenue side, she crossed the street over to where the playground was. There was a little girl sitting on the swing, kicking her legs, flying back and forth, static electricity for hair, happiness for a face. But she was the only person there, and it was 3.31 p.m. Cynthia sat on Cinder's block, stretched to crack her back. The couch seemed to be making her body old, and when she thought about that, it made her laugh. <laughs> I bet the reason a couch is called a couch is because of the ouch part she said to herself, or maybe to the swinging girl, but the swinging girl was swinging and not listening. Uh, yeah, that's not a good one. 3.32 p.m. A bird landed next to her, a pigeon, a dingy gray that was still somehow beautiful, like clouds before rain. Yeah, I always wing it anyway, she said to the bird. I wonder what it must be like for you. It's like, you got wings, so you can fly anywhere you want to go, which is pretty much the most amazing thing ever, you could fly to the things you want. But the letdown is that when you get to wherever the things you want are, you ain't got the hands to grab it. And that one made her laugh a little. 3.33 p.m. No one came. But no one ever came. Well, that's not true. Sometimes Gregory Pitts, Remy Vaughn, Joey Santiago, and Candace Green would come, but that's just because they lived in Southview, too. Cynthia figured her low attendance was because people had to go home after school. You know, parents, practice, homework, stuff like that. Either way, or, or either that, or they never thought she was being serious about her shows. That the whole 333 thing was just part of her act, part of the joke, part of the say-so thing. And so they all were thinking, yeah, okay, if you say so, right? Of course. Truth was, 3.33 p.m. was for Cynthia's mother. She got off work as a barista at 3 and had school, 
now graduate school, at 4.15. She always went straight to class, but if for some reason she decided to skip, to take a day off, to give herself a break, Cynthia would be right there, standing on Sitter's block, ready to joke a smile onto her hero's face, just the way her superhero had taught her. But there are no days off for a hero. So Cynthia opened her backpack, pulled her notebook out, and snatched a page loose. She dug out a pen and started scribbling the joke about how the bird, about the bird and it not having wing, about not having hands, and how awesome it would be to have wings if you also had hands. But then that would make birds angels, and how it would be way too scary to see angels with beaks. And that made her laugh too. Cynthia then pulled out the envelope, had a stamp. She kept them in a small pocket in the front of her bag. She folded the paper, slid it into the envelope, sealed it, then wrote her own address on it. After that, she slapped the, slant, the stamp on it. She peeled another stamp from the book and walked over to the little girl on the swing. Do you want a sticker? Cynthia asked. The little girl stopped swinging, held her hand out. Cynthia stuck the sticky square to the back of it. Charlie Chaplin. When she got upstairs to her apartment, Cynthia dropped her bag on the couch and beelined to her grandfather's room. Knocked. Grandpa, I got mail! No answer. Knocked again. Grandpa, it say so. Mail. Nothing. Concerned, Cynthia turned the knob, opened the door slowly. Grandpa? He was there, sitting on the side of his bed, scribbling in his notepad. Paper balls littered the floor, so many that the door swept a bunch of them to the side of the room. That wasn't unusual. There were always paper balls, most with random sentences on them, starts and stops. His, hand, his hands holding a pen, spitting whatever was coming from his sputtering mind, but a few were not in his handwriting. A few had been snatched from envelopes written in the loopy cursive of the coolest granddaughter in the world. Grandpa, you hear me knocking? Cynthia asked. Cinder looked up at her, and for a moment it seemed like he didn't recognize her. Finally, oh, say so, I, I didn't hear you, and here trying to get my jokes together, trying to write a zinger for you to take to school tomorrow, you know? Cynthia came to his side, kissed his cheek, looked down at the paper. All he had written was the word eardrums. Eardrums, huh? Yeah, it's not working. He ripped it out, balled it up, and tossed it on the floor. I got some. I got something else I think is better, but I, I don't know. Anyway, how was school? I killed. You did the shirt joke? Yep, and it crushed him. Ah, your mother used to love that joke. His voice sweetened for a moment. Then he continued. Your teacher ain't get mad, did she? No, no, she was cool about it, Cynthia reassured him, remembering the cigarette butt in her pocket. Oh, I almost forgot. I found a giggle. She pulled the red stained tip from her pocket, dropped it in his palm. Cinder let it roll around, staring down at it for a second before smiling. He got up from the bed and dropped it in a bottle on a small table a few feet away, adding it to what looked like a hundred, maybe more. Oh, and some mail came for you. Cynthia held the envelope out, the one that she'd stuffed with the paper she'd written the bird joke on the one that she'd simply written her own address, which was his address, on. Nothing else. Grandpa took the envelope and set it on the table. Cynthia knew that later he would open it, read it, then forget he'd read it and believe he wrote it. And the next day, he'd tell her to try a new joke in Miss Stevens' class. Then she'd tell him she would, then come home and tell him his jokes were working. His jokes were still cracking people up. And he'd say things like, Man, we a good team, ain't we? Or, like father, like daughter and Cynthia would kiss his cheek and nod. Cynthia headed back towards his bedroom door. Before leaving, she turned and asked, 
What was the other thing? Cinder looked confused, so Cynthia continued. The, the joke, you, you said you were thinking about something else? Oh, just this thing I was kicking around, but I, I don't think it'll work. Well, what was it? Tell me. Okay. Cinder steadied himself, looked at his granddaughter in the eye. What would happen if a school bus fell from the sky? Cynthia thought for a second, a smile creeping onto her lips. I mean, is it coming from Ookabooka land? Silence. Just that thought between them. Cynthia looking at her grandfather, her Cinderella, her Cinderblock, the man who taught her to perform, taught her that life is funny most of the time, and the times it ain't funny are even funnier, and there ain't no forgetting that. He looked back at her, and in a way that only grandfather and granddaughter could do, together, Cynthia and Cinder split open and laughter poured out of them, a laughter free enough to make the bottle of giggles on the table rattle. Alrighty, everybody, that is Chapter 8 of Look Both Ways by Jason Reynolds. Thanks for listening. Should be back soon with uh, Chapter 9. Um, there's only 10 chapters, so we only have about two left. So I've really enjoyed this one. Hopefully we can find something else to read together after this. Take care. Alrighty, everybody, I want to introduce a new segment for the podcast today. Um, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, and um, what they've been doing is recommending, reviewing, uh, plugging a book, a movie, and a television show um, while everyone is in quarantine and doing a lot of reading and watching things. Um, I thought that was a cool idea, so I wanted to kind of start it. Um, I know I recommended a couple things in an earlier episode, but if I think I want to make this kind of a consistent thing that we do for the podcast. So um, anyway, the uh, I wanted to start with the book. Um, I have been reading just a little bit, um, the book I've been reading for the podcast, obviously some stuff for grad school. Um, another book that I am considering reading, uh, maybe doing a segment for the podcast is called Into the Wild. Um, it's by a man named John Krakauer. Um, it is a nonfiction book. So it's, um, the, the author did a, he wrote an article for like a wilderness magazine back in like the early nineties, um, about this young man, Chris McCandless who had, um, he was like 19 years old, and basically after he graduates from college um, in Atlanta, he gives away all of his possessions, he sells his car, um, he, he cashes out a, like a, a savings account for himself and donates like thousands of dollars to charity. Um, he packs a backpack, gets some supplies ready, and he goes to attempt to just live in the wilderness on his own, um, hence the title, Into the Wild. He's, he's going out into the Alaskan wilderness um, and he is attempting to just like live off the land, be his own man, uh, basically separate from um, society as a whole. Um, and it was when I, I read it first when I was 19. I was in college. I was, I was just out of my parents' house. Um, and it was a really cool idea, a cool concept of just leaving it all behind. I think we've all had some of those thoughts before of like, man, if I could just get away, um, just separate, unplug completely and just go live on my own. How, how cool would that be to live off the land and grow and hunt my own food and um, all of that stuff. And so as a 19 year old, I was really into this. Um, and the more you read into the book, um, and this is not, I, I wouldn't call it a spoiler because it's kind of the premise for the whole book. Um, but, but Chris dies. Um, he's, he's out there and he, um, a couple things go wrong for him. Um, and he is basically trapped out in the Alaskan wilderness and, and he dies. Um, 
and the book really explores like what was it that caused him to die was it his own negligence was it um, an experience or youth or naivete of believing that you could go out and just live in these harsh conditions um, and so it's kind of the, the book really goes into explores um, like why he, he left and, and went out there in the first place and then really ultimately what ended up causing his death um, and the explanations and the reasons for all that are, are, are really, really interesting, really incredible. Um, I read the book again after college, um, right when I had begun teaching. Actually, I read it during SSR time um, again, and, and I read it in like a completely different mindset of uh, I was no longer a 19 year old. You know, I finally had some responsibilities, some, some people that depended on me. You know, I was uh, engaged to my wife at the time. I had just started teaching. And so these, these kids are now in my life that I am at least partially responsible for their growth and education and development. Um, and the thought of giving everything up and going into the wilderness just to live on my own and do 100% my own thing, um, it had a completely different meaning. Um, and, I, and I think the more um, age and maturity that I add on to my years, uh, I think it really changes kind of the meaning and um, how I take away that book. So a book that I loved and was completely fascinated with when I was 19, um, I'm planning on reading again pretty soon. Um, I've picked up, I read through the first couple chapters again just because I love them. Um, but I think it's when I'm going to sit down and read again while we're out. But um, I'm curious to see the differences, how I feel differently about it now as nearly a 30-year-old um, who has far more responsibilities. I have a house, I have pets, I have a wife. Um, I'm, I'm more uh, responsible at school now. So things like that, just, just how age and maturity changes the way we read. It's just something really interesting. So again, um, that first book is into the wild by John Krakauer. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sitting down and reading some of that. So that's my book recommendation, my book review, whatever you have it. Um, yeah. So movies, um, I've watched a fair share of movies. Uh, I've watched a couple movies since we've been out. I I've been, um, leaning more towards TV shows of late. I, just really struggle to sit still for two, two and a half hours sometimes. Um, so I just, I, I haven't had the time to watch movies as a teacher. TV shows were always easier. Watch 30, 45 minutes an hour. I could pick it up and start it kind of whenever I wanted to. But um, I have been watching a couple movies. Um, I don't, I don't know that I want to recommend any of the movies that I've watched um, on here. But um, one thing that I have been watching a lot more of are stand-up comedy specials, um, especially through Netflix um, and on Amazon. They have a ton of stand-up on there. I'm a, I've, I've always liked stand-up. Um, and obviously there's some stand-up that's more inappropriate than others, but one I've always really liked and, and a comedian I've always respected because he's been able to keep it um, as, as clean as I think stand-up comedy can be performed um, is uh, Jim Gaffigan. Um, and so the, the stand-up comedy special I watched recently from him was called Cinco. It is his fifth um, stand-up special. I've been kind of following him since I was um, end of high school, early college. And so I've just, I've just really been excited watching him kind of grow and, and turn into the, the comic he is. He's been in some movies. Um, he has a ton of kids as well. Um, and so him, he posts a lot of stuff about his family and his wife. Um, he had a TV show on TV land for a little bit, um, a couple years ago. I think it's, I think it's over now, but, um, he, he's just really funny and he does a pretty good job of keeping things clean. Um, so a stand-up comedy is something that you're interested in too. Um, and you haven't checked out Jim Gaffigan yet. I, I would recommend any and all of his stand-up specials. So, um, there's just some really good ones out there. So that's, uh, I don't know if it counts quite as a movie, um, but a lot of stand-up and, and then Jim Gaffigan is who I'm going to recommend today. Cool. Um, and last, but certainly not least is the TV show category. Um, again, I've been watching several TV shows throughout this time. 
um, throughout this process. I've, I've watched and watched and watched more episodes of The Office. Um, the TV show I'm going to plug today is called Scrubs. Um, Scrubs was on when I was in like middle school and high school. It's a little dated now. Um, but one of my favorite authors, his name is Shea Serrano. He's put out a couple books, a couple collections of essays, including a collection of essays about The Office. Um, he dropped another collection of essays all about Scrubs, um, I think on Monday. And so I, I tore through that about as fast as I could. And it really uh, made me want to rewatch some episodes of Scrubs. So I've been doing that, kind of started back off at the beginning. Um, I've really just kind of enjoyed the, the trip back down memory lane. I watched some of these episodes with previous girlfriends, previous friends, previous relationships. Um, and there's there's nothing like watching something from your past to kind of stir up some emotions and feelings and things like that. So um, it's been a really cool rewatch. I've enjoyed it so far. Um, there's definitely some stuff in the TV show that they probably could not get away with today. Certain characters, certain uh, bits they have in there. But but overall, I've really liked it. Um, it's it's just been really nice to kind of rewatch some of that. So um, a book recommendation for right now, Into the Wild, my movie. Uh, probably Cinco by Jim Gaffigan, his recent stand-up special, and my TV show is going to be Scrubs. That is going to do it for this segment of the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you have any questions, recommendations, things that you think I should watch or read or uh, talk about on here, hit me up, let me know. Uh, yeah, cool. Thanks. just about going to do it for this episode of Chambers FM. Um, I want to apologize for just taking a couple days between episodes um, with the creating lessons and adding some stuff for the online learning that's going to kick off on Monday. Uh, just got kind of busy this week, had some Zoom meetings to attend, went up to school for a couple times. So a little bit less time. I think I'm keeping myself a little more busy, have a little bit more responsibility right now. So um, I doubt it'll be every day for a podcast, but I'll try to get you one every every two or three days. Um yeah, so uh, just to kind of recap on today's podcast, um, just some updates about further school closures. We're now closed through April 17th, so um, that's two more weeks than was to be expected. So nothing really changes in terms of classwork or anything like that right now, but we will be out till at least April 17th. Um, we read chapter eight of Look Both Ways by Jason Reynolds. We are almost to the finish of that book, so uh, we'll be looking for something else. If you have any recommendations, let me know. Um, we added a new segment called Books, Movies, and TV to the podcast. Um, had some cool recommendations. So if you, uh, if you like those, cool, check them out. Let me know. Um, but yeah, that is just going to, uh, that's going to wrap us up for today on Chambers FM. Thank you guys for listening. As always, Chambers out. <laughs>